If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. You know, a lot of contemporary Christianity has rounded off all the sharp edges of this ancient religion to make it relevant for the 21st century. For example, you don't want to sit in long, boring worship services where you have to stand up, sit down, and kneel over and over again. No problem. We'll build churches that are like movie theaters with comfortable seats and a great band and videos and a dynamic message by a gifted orator with slides on the big screen behind him. We'll even put a Starbucks in the lobby. And we won't bother to hold services on Christmas Day so no one has to miss family gatherings. Or you don't want to make hard choices that would make you unpopular or cost you your job or your life or your pride. No problem. God wants you to be happy to enjoy and celebrate 21st century culture and values. Because God is cool. Don't like the ancient Christian moral teachings on marriage or sexuality? No problem. Today's pastors and scholars have looked into the relevant Bible passages and they assure you that they've all been misunderstood, misrepresented, or mistranslated for 2,000 years. Those Greek words don't mean what the church fathers, who actually spoke Greek, by the way, said they meant in the generations after the New Testament was written. Don't worry about it. God doesn't care, and we don't either. After all, didn't Jesus say, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light? Well, yes, he did. But he also said, Take up your cross and follow me. Now, to be honest, that sounds pretty unpleasant. So, the contemporary person considering ancient and biblical Christianity, particularly Catholicism, has to ask, why does the Christian life have to be so hard? If God wants us to follow him, why doesn't he just make it easier? Well, the reality is that living out the Christian faith is just plain hard sometimes. 2,000 years of Christians have testified to that, some with their blood. One reason that Christianity is so hard is that we're, we're so resistant to change. And Christianity is all about change. Consider getting physically fit or overcoming addictions. You see, being healthy and sober is, in one sense, easy. But it's getting healthy and sober and not falling back into our old habits and addictions. Now, that's really hard. You see, it's getting from where we are to where we need to be that's so frustrating in life. And then overcoming our longing to return to where we were. 
looking at the lives of the saints can be like watching athletes run up mountains at dawn or pump iron and do endless pull-ups in a gym. We admire it from a distance, but for some of us, it certainly doesn't look fun, like something that we'd actually like to do. One time, a man came to Jesus and he asked, What do I have to do to win eternal life? And Jesus answered, Love God first and foremost, and love other people at least as much as you love yourself, if not more. That's the sum of the commandments. But that's the trick, isn't it? Because the essence of sin is the love of self. That's the original sin. It's what got us into this whole mess in the first place. Ever since the serpent told Adam and Eve that they could be like gods, we've put ourselves at the center of our universes. It's not like God set up the Christian life as some random and ridiculous obstacle course just to weed out the unworthy. No, overcoming sin means conquering the things that we love more than we love God. So our ambitions, our agendas, our appetites, our addictions, and walking away from all of that can seem impossible because we really can't imagine giving it all up. And it can seem frightening because we're not sure deep down that we, that we really want to. Here's an example. Prayer. Now, on the one hand, praying isn't a particularly hard thing to do. But what is hard is interrupting the constant dialogue in our own heads and turning our attention away from ourselves and the distractions around us to God. That's the tough part. So, why does God want us to do that? Well, because he knows that worshiping ourselves brings us ultimately to misery. And we will be miserably, ultimately, for all eternity. Self-idolatry is slavery. It's slavery to an inner hunger and inner greed that can never be satisfied. We'll spend our whole life serving that appetite for attention and pleasure and power and status or whatever. But the goal of the Christian life is to free us from that. The Ten Commandments that Moses brought down on the mountain, or Jesus' commandments in the Sermon on the Mount, those are all like a map to the minefield of life. They're like road signs that are warning us of a twisty, icy road ahead. Giving up our self-centeredness and our attachments isn't a buzzkill. It's the narrow, steep trail out of this selfish pit. It keeps us from truly loving and being loved, from appreciating the gift of life, from hearing and following the voice of our Creator. That narrow staircase is the way up and the way out to life. So why is the Christian life so hard? Why does He call us to take up our cross and follow Him? Because only in dying to our ravenous self, the self who is like a like a spoiled toddler demanding that it all be about him or her, only in that can we be free. The Christian life calls us to move from that place to a place where we can listen to and depend upon God, where the screams of our 
inner spoiled brat are turned down and we can actually hear and know and depend on the God who truly does love us and truly knows our needs better than we do ourselves. Yes, God calls us to do something that's sometimes hard to do. But the good news is that he never calls us to do something hard without also offering us the help to do it. And there's more good news. Because the path out of this pit is, well, it's well marked. In fact, millions, billions have walked it before us. And they stand up on the rim of the pit, looking down, cheering us on, praying for us. Those are the saints. And we can follow their footsteps. We can take courage from their examples in finding our way out of the kingdom of self to the kingdom of God. Yes, the Christian life, especially the Catholic Christian life, is hard sometimes. Got to admit it. No way around it. But is it too hard? I mean, is it worth it? Sure, you might say, oh, heaven sounds great. But are there rewards along the way? I mean, does this trail get easier as you go up it? You know, truthfully, the Christian life can feel like a paradox. Because on the one hand, St. Paul tells us that the signs of the Christian life include love and joy and peace and all of that. But on the other hand, Jesus tells us to rejoice when we suffer. So how are we supposed to rejoice when we're suffering? That seems like a paradox, doesn't it? When people convert, when they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're usually really excited. But the morning after you decide to follow Christ, you have to wake up and pick up your cross and follow him. And that might mean that you have the same old pile of bills that you did the day before and the same bank balance in your account. But now you're supposed to be a good steward of what God entrusts to you. You still have the same boss and the same spouse, but now you're supposed to love them and serve them. You still have the same temptations, but now you're supposed to resist them. You're still entangled in everything that you were entangled with yesterday, but now you're supposed to unentangle yourself. You still drive the same car and you still have the same body with all the same ailments, but now you're supposed to use them for God's glory. You see, becoming a Christian doesn't solve all of your immediate problems. In fact, it might make some of your immediate problems harder in the short run. But Christ never promised to solve all of your immediate problems. He promised to solve your ultimate problem. Because you're going to die and you're not prepared. The way things are today... This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. We aren't living for our purpose, the purpose for which we were made, or up to our potential, what we're capable of being. We were made for more than this. We were made for eternity. And so, God made it possible for life to become good and healthy and whole and complete once again. Adam's disobedience brought death to all of his descendants, but Christ, the new Adam, reverses the fall for his followers, and he brings life to them. Christ was raised for the dead so that we could be as well someday. That's the promise of Christ, and that ought to shift our perspective. 
Yes, Christianity can be hard sometimes, but that doesn't mean that it's miserable. The apostles and the saints had hard lives, but they were never miserable. They endured suffering with joy. So how is that possible? How do we rejoice in suffering? How do we endure suffering with joy? Well, it depends on how you make sense of your suffering. You see, when you're willfully enduring temporary hardship in order to win permanent rewards, well, then you gain a new perspective on that hardship. Our momentary troubles seem worth it. And that gives us courage, even joy. You see, that's what St. Paul meant when he wrote, So do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Can I prove to you that the Christian life is worth it? That there's a big payoff in the end? Will it be so wonderful that it was worth giving up some short-term pleasures and perhaps suffering some short-term hardships? Well, I've seen enough of this world to know that this world will promise you everything and deliver nothing of lasting value. But the scriptures tell us that we will see our Creator and our Savior and our King face to face. He will wipe away our tears. There will be no more death or mourning or pain. We and the world itself will be remade new. Wounds and nations will be healed and we will finally become what we were always created to be. And honestly, that's enough for me. The clock is ticking. We have to pick a path and we have to trust whatever it promises. To not choose, to not pick a path is itself a choice. So, I'm going to take up my cross and rejoice because I've chosen to believe the promise that in the end, Christ wins and he makes it all worth it.